Twitter.com slash StuDoesAmerica. Go there, check out the show, or post it. We're going to be posting a bunch of new stuff on Twitter, so check it out. Follow me now. If you are watching on YouTube, well, like the video. I mean, why wouldn't you do such a thing? Do it now before I say something that pisses you off, because that's probably right around the corner. Uh, hit the bell for notifications. We're going to be doing, by the way, coverage, extended coverage of all the debates as we go through uh, election season, so you want to be part of the YouTube channel, even if you're watching on Pluto or somewhere else. We'd appreciate you heading over uh, and uh, subscribing to YouTube as well. John Lott is going to be here. He's a great gun expert. He's going to explain uh, the newest ridiculous attempts by the Biden administration to stomp on our Second Amendment rights. I've got an update on Dianne Feinstein, and honestly, it might be the saddest one yet. But we start by doing DOJ corruption. Um, Hey, did you hear Donald Trump got indicted again today? I don't know. It's like the 58th time. It's like just a pastime at this point for cable news channels. Uh, maybe we'll send a helicopter out to hover over his car and say, oh, look at him. He's stopping at Arby's. I think he got a roast beef and cheese. I don't know what you want to see from this. I'm going to give you very little. Let me give you the very basics. Trump pled not guilty, of course, to charges that he plotted to overturn the election. The first hearing is going to be August 28th. So March, mark your calendars. What is that? five days after the first debate. So they're really doing everything they can to jam this in. Trump responded. First of all, he posted on his way. I'm now going to Washington, D.C. to be arrested for having challenged a corrupt, rigged and stolen election. It is a great honor because I am being arrested for you. Make America great again. Biden and his family steal millions and millions of dollars, including bribes from foreign countries. And I'm headed to D.C. to be arrested for protesting a crooked election. Unfair venue, unfair judge. We are a nation in decline. MAGA. The unfair venue is kind of one of the more interesting things here, as you have an Obama-appointed judge who's who's been known to give heftier punishments to January 6th people than even Merrick Garland is requesting. Uh, So a really tough scenario here. He wants to get uh, his trial moved to, as he called it, unbiased West Virginia. We will see, uh, you know, most of the time the trial is going to be held where the crime uh, was supposedly committed. That doesn't mean it always goes that way. Sometimes there are changes in venue. We will see if any of that plays out. They're going to have a bunch of legal challenges, so we're not going to know the real answer to this for a long time. It's going to drag on for a while. They're going to, even if it does end, they're going to have appeals and all this other stuff. It, you know, I keep coming back to the fact that I don't think that the election is going to be won or lost based on what happens in these indictments. I think it's basically a sideshow. If you have your opinion made up on Donald Trump one way or the other, if you think he's corrupt, you probably already think he's corrupt. If you don't think he's corrupt, I don't think there's any charge that's going to convince you that he is. We're kind of in that that uh, stalemate at this point, and I don't know what really comes of it. Um, what I do think is important is this one from Axios. They say Trump indictment blocks out Biden's bad news. Now, if you read the article... It's talking about the the downgrade in our credit. It's talking about a new um, border situation where they're saying we're having a lot more border crossings again after there was that initial lull after the the change in in rules. Now it's starting to pick up again. And yeah, I mean, it has drowned out that that bad news. I think it is important news. But they don't really mention the Hunter Biden stuff. And I really think that is what is going on here. We, we showed you the tweet that you know, it's kind of like a legendary tweet at this point from Greg Price, where he shows the calendar here. You know, day one is something that happens bad with, with Biden and Hunter Biden. 
Um, and then the next day is always some charges brought. Like there's always something that derailed the coverage. We're not going to let it derail us. And we're going to keep going into this. And I think it's important that you understand what is being put out right now. For example, this is not some conservative publication, but the Washington Post has a fact check on Joe Biden. Joe Biden said his son earned no money from China. His son says otherwise. Uh, If you remember, Joe Biden said, this is when he was asked about this in one of the debates, he said, nothing was unethical. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, what are you talking about? China, I have not had, dot, 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 the only guy who made money from China is this guy, Donald Trump. He's the only one. Nobody else has made money from China. Um, We know this isn't true. We know this isn't true. Um, the question is, how far does it go? Does it go all the way to Joe or not? And honestly, like, it's not really a question to me at this point. I have to say, I think there's enough there for me to believe that this did happen and he was involved in it. Um, I, you know, look, we can all sit here and, and, you know, act as if we don't know how the world works. But if uh, there's a dinner meeting going on and Joe Biden just happens to call in or he calls Joe Biden and he's on speakerphone. and He says, oh, well, uh, I'm sure your friends are really nice. And, you know, I'm always here for anything you need, Hunter. Uh, by the way, how's the weather? It's great hearing from you. Um, and the meeting is ostensibly about getting Victor Shokin fired. And then a week or two later, Joe Biden's in Ukraine withholding a billion dollars of aid uh, to Ukraine in exchange to get Victor Shokin fired. Like, I don't need more than that, right? Like, there's enough substantial, uh, circumstantial evidence there to convince me. Now, I'm not uh, a court, and you're not a court. So the fact that you believe it and that I believe it doesn't really matter all that much. Though, at the end of the day, I think the fact that the media needs to keep looking into this is really what's important. This should be pushed along, and I think there's enough there, honestly, to justify this. And I want to make sure people are following what is going on. Um, you know, even the media is saying, okay, that's, that's a, I think it was four Pinocchios he got for, for that particular claim. The goalposts have changed. They've been moved over and over and over again. And that's just part of this. We have to make sure we lock in these new excuses, though. We know he lied about that. We know at the very least he was wrong about it. We need now Joe Biden on record. Someone needs to get to him in his basement and have him answer a freaking question. I know he hasn't done a press conference in 6,500 days or whatever it's been. But, like, it's getting a little ridiculous here. Can the media get a little pissed off about this? Can they step up and say, hey, give us some freaking answers? Corinne Jean-Pierre has been asked about it a couple times. She's just avoided it. She's obviously terrible. I think she was reading, uh, you know, uh, fortunes from fortune cookies or something. I don't know what she was doing, but she kept looking down at a piece of paper and reading stuff. That doesn't get us anywhere. The president of the United States needs to be able to answer these questions, and he should be answering them right now. Now, Hunter uh, plea, uh, uh, he had this whole plea that went on. We covered it uh, over the past couple of weeks. And all these documents that were associated with that plea, a lot of them have come out now. And some of them are pretty interesting, honestly. Um, Let me give you a couple of things. Now, one of the things that we heard about the testimony was he would call into these meetings about 20 times. He'd be put on speakerphone. He'd go back and forth with the people at the meeting or with Hunter. And it would be impressive to the people at the meeting. Foreign business associates giving Hunter lots of money. They would be impressed by his access to the president. We all know that's how the game is played. What we didn't know is that sometimes Joe was actually at the dinners. Kind of a 
big development, was it not? Let me give you two examples. 2014, this is um, uh, Cafe Milano. And who was at the dinner? Here, I have it highlighted here for you. Um, uh, you know, a bunch of people you don't know. Uh, I think it's one of them's the Moscow mayor. There's a couple of people, high power players. And then Hunter Biden and then Joe Biden in 2015. Same restaurant. Who was there? Well, Hunter, Joe, myself. This is uh, Devin Archer talking again. Um, once, once again, mentioning Joe Biden at multiple meetings where he ate dinner. It wasn't like he just stopped in. It wasn't like he just stopped by. They happened to be at the same place. He came over to say hello. Not that. No, he actually ate dinner at the table with Hunter Biden's business associates. Uh, this is the stuff they've been denying for years. And yet it keeps coming out over and over again. And you'll notice while we are not getting the confirmations I would like from the White House, we are also not getting denials from the White House. None of this stuff is being pushed back against. They're not saying, hey, none of this happened. I wasn't at those dinners. They're not denying that stuff at all. And I would love to see if someone can get them on record to see if they will. Now, of course, we have a new Hunter Biden, Devin Archer text exchange that is new today. Hunter Biden laid out the price of power in text with Devin Archer. And he also said, you are a Biden. Let me give you this full context because it's kind of weird. I mean, the, the tone of the relationship is frankly to me, pretty strange. But here's what it said. Devin uh, texted, why did your dad's administration appointees arrest me and try to put me in jail? Just curious, some of our partners are asking out here. Why would they try to ruin my family and destroy my kids and no one from your family's side step in and at least try to help me? I don't get it and I'm depressed. A bunch of these Asians, nicely put, a bunch of these Asians uh, getting in my head asking me the same, so just curious what I should answer. Hunter responds, Buddy, you are serious because there's no connection or control between the two. The same, the Justice Department can investigate and prosecute this president and his family, and his family, it does for all administrations. It's democracy. Three co-equal branches of government. Not true, of course, but whatever. Uh, Woodrow Wilson apparently in the House. You are always more vulnerable to the overreach of one of these co-equal branches than when you, when you are in power. Every president's family is held to a higher standard. I mean, what? how insane is that? Higher standard? You're freaking doing crack off of hookers and no one does anything about it. You're not held to any standard. Um, it's the price of being the most powerful group of people in the world. It's why our democracy remains viable, does it? Is that right, Hunter, really? It's unfair at times, but at the end, the system of justice usually works. And like you, we are redeemed when the truth prevails. The unfairness to us allows for the greater good. Now, this is such crap, considering their entire relationship is based on the fact that Joe Biden will step in to help his business associates. And here's one of Hunter Biden's business associates saying, hey, will you step in for me? And Hunter's like, oh, no, democracy. I just can't. I mean, come on. We're held to too high a standard. Hold on. Let me do another rail off of this hooker. And does anybody buy this? I mean, how frustrating would this be if you're Devin Archer, who's a close friend of this guy, has made millions of dollars for him? Obviously, he had no talent, no ability in this field. This is all Devin Archer and his business acumen. And yet, Hunter's like, sorry, bud, can't really do anything about this. We can't step in when we, you really need us. There's more to this. Hunter, but Devin, though, seems to be still loyal to Hunter throughout this. Uh, anyway, Devin writes, I love you anyway. 
Everyone other than you sucks, including them all, and your brother was with me. Hunter says, yes, he was, and I, am all, uh, and I, I always am, and turn the discussion around, Devin. Every great family is persecuted, prosecuted in the U.S. You are part of a great family, not a sideshow, not deserted by them, even in your darkest moments. That's the way the Bidens are different than you, and you are a Biden. Hmm. Uh, that's the way the different. Oh, sorry, that's the way Bidens are different, and you are a Biden. He's so he's saying to Devin, you're you're so much part of the family that you're actually in. You're one of us. You're a Biden yourself. Think about this, by the way. This is the guy who's now out talking to Tucker Carlson. We're going to give you more of that interview here in a second, saying that they did all these things that they've been accused of. He was so close. He was actually part of the family, quote unquote. Um, uh, this is the price of power, is the way he puts it. And the people questioning you truly have none, whereas you do through the perseverance and poise. Uh, Devin Archer responds, love you, bro. Sorry, a long way from home. A couple weeks and demons are talking to me. Hunter responds, I love you too, buddy. And I know and know what that I understand, but please, sorry, these texts are just like half written in half sentences. They're kind of hard to convey here. Uh, but please, of all the people in the world to decide to put the blame on, don't let it be me. Almost every other person in my life has done that, and I'm somehow the source of all their disappointments. I mean, it's, could this guy be, have more of a victim complex? It's embarrassing. I'm beginning to believe all of them. And we aren't a banana republic, buddy. The powerful are targets in this country. The more powerful they become. Um, but the truth prevails if you have the stamina and guts and have enough love to stay the course. And he says, I never blame you to Hunter. Uh, maybe he should, because this guy seems to be screwing him over pretty seriously here. And now that he's really in need, and all of this stuff, this is before uh, the legal consequences came to Devin Archer. Archer now is hitting those consequences. Now he's trying to speak out and getting, trying to get some friends on his side because everyone has pretty much turned on him, including, it seems, Hunter. Um, let me give you uh, a, uh, an example of this from uh, the Tucker Carlson interview. Devin Archer with Tucker Carlson. We played you a clip of this yesterday. Here's another. This is uh, basically the outline of their business because, again, one of the things I think has been uh, a little misleading from the conservative coverage of, of Hunter Biden is the question of like, I mean, hey, how did this guy, this guy didn't know, he didn't know Ukrainian, he didn't know anything about gas. We've talked about that before, and I think it's true. But that was more of a, a way of explaining that that was never the reason he had this job. We all know that wasn't the reason he had this job. He had no expertise in this field. And this is really explained overtly here by the guy who hired him originally. Here's Devin Archer. The initial idea around the business that they were going to provide you know, the government insight and an additional network to raise capital and then, you know, deal with regulatory issues that you might have at the corporate level. Right. Regulatory issues. Exactly. Okay. So that would be more his area. Right. That would be his space. Right. But did he have a, a sophisticated understanding of regulation, do you think? Um, I think that he led a team that had, had, a, had a sophisticated... <laughs> Because I lived in Washington a long time around a lot of regulation. Also a very complex area. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's, you know, you got to be an expert in knowing the guy. And he was the guy that was the expert in knowing the guy. He was an expert in knowing the guy. Right. And who was the guy he knew? Uh, well, he knew a lot of people, but obviously yep. there was some familiar, you know, some, his brother, his father, uh, yep. uh, some of his, his father's siblings. So he, he knew a lot of people. And, and obviously I know you're pointing to, you know, the father being the key relationship. That's well, great. no, I, I'm just trying to get a sense of like, Washington's not a money town. Right. You know, people don't aren't in business in Washington for the right. most part. And most people don't have business skills that I've noticed in 30 years of living there. 
Um, so really, the business of Washington is is selling access. That's what it looked like to me. Yes. Not just Hunter Biden, but like yeah, no, that's I what think that's. Do. I mean, I think that's the one of the like core misconceptions. I mean, it seems like when I you know understanding a regulatory environment means selling access at the end of the day. That, yeah. That's how I interpret it, and I think that's how most people on you know in Wall Street, whether they admit it or not, interpret it. Yeah. So we're gonna we've got a complex business that intersects with government. We need a guy who knows it. Right. How do I, you know, deal with getting a guy a visa that needs to come over for a business deal? Right. Call our lobbyist that knows the guy in DHS or used to work in DHS or, you know, in Customs and Border Patrol or the people at the embassy and state. They, they might be able to help. So there are very like tactical elements that are regulatory and compliance and governance that you have to go through, and you got to know the guy that right. worked at the old agency that now has the lobbying firm that can go back to the agency and you know get get things put to the front of the line. Mm. This is how your world works, by the way. This is how your capital works. These are how your politicians act when you're not looking. This is how the son of your president acts. He enriches himself by getting access to these people. And, you know, you have the Biden name. People want to do favors for Hunter Biden because they think it'll get back to Joe and they'll get to some preferential treatment down the road. This is how this works all the time. And we kind of knew that he was doing this. However, it went all over uh, legal lines. Uh, a lot of this was not legal and it pushed the boundaries of being ethical in any way. Now, we did hear about all these calls. I've read you some of the texts. We've now shown that Hunter Biden, or excuse me, Joe Biden was at the dinners with Hunter Biden. Um, but the question was put to Devin Archer, hey, like, did Joe know he was on the phone? If you think about like, okay, maybe Joe called, Hunter is like showing off, he puts him on speaker, holds it up, hey dad, um, yeah, no, I'm just having some dinner, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. And then he stumbled and started talking about squirrels for 15 minutes or however a normal conversation with Joe Biden goes. Um, this is one of those situations where he was asked directly, did Joe know? Was this part of the situation? Watch. Biden, then the sitting vice president, knew that there were Hunter's business associates in the room. Yeah, I think I can I can definitively say at particular dinners or meetings, he knew there were business associates and he, you know, we or if I was there, I was a business associate, too. Um, yeah. So I think or if, you know, any of the other colleagues from the D.C. office or the New York office were there. So, yeah, at times there were from the, you know, to be, you know, completely clear on the calls. I don't know if it was an orchestrated call in or not. It certainly was powerful, though, because, you know, if you're sitting with a foreign business person and you hear the vice president's voice, that's prize enough. I mean, that's 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 pretty impactful stuff. It's the whole thing, right? This is how these things work. You don't you don't announce exactly what you want to do. You don't have the the guy who is potentially vulnerable to an attack politically or uh, legally. You don't have them blurt out every part of the deal. You have them get on the phone and say, hey, oh, Hunter, I love you. You know, hey, was, hey, anyone who's a friend of Hunter's, of course, a friend of mine. And I love you guys. And anything I can do to help you, let us know, okay? That's the way that works. They don't say, oh, by the way, I'm going to fire Victor Shokin for you. Oh, by the way, we're going to give you some sweetheart deals on the back uh, backside. Or to get extra access and whenever you need it. They don't say that. Of course not. Like, this isn't a movie where they just blurt it out except in WhatsApp messages when they do ex actually completely blurted out. Uh, Devin Archer also asked about uh, these calls and was this an abuse of power? Watch. You've got a lot of kids, you're close to them. Do you call them on speaker during business meetings? Um, do I call? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is that? A grown man calling his dad on a speakerphone during a business right. meeting. Right, and to be clear, sometimes it was the call was coming in and the speaker would go on. 
So it was, it's just the presence. You have to be, I mean, you're, you, you understand DC, right? So the power to have that access and that conversation, and it's not in a scheduled conference call, and it's a part of your family, that's, that's like the pinnacle of, uh, of power in DC. 100%. I guess I'm pivoting against the lie that I'm hearing people tell with a straight face, Congressman Goldman, for example, that we don't really know what was going on. Really? You're taking a call from the vice president and you put it on speaker. It's not just, hey, dad, I'm in a meeting with some buddies. Right. It's, let me, let me put my dad, the vice president, on speaker. Yeah, yep, in the, in the rear view, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an abuse of soft power, I'd say. It's an interesting interview because you could see Archer, like, at times, even when he says, well, sometimes the calls were coming in. There wasn't always a call that he was being made. He, he's not, like, he, he's not a, a partisan against the Bidens. Like, that's not who he is. Uh, he obviously was close with the Bidens for a very long time. And he's still not trying, he's trying to be very careful with what he says. It really is interesting to watch this happen because Devin Archer was like, I mean, remember who he is. He's, this is a guy who was roommates with John Kerry's uh, stepson and was, uh, I think, the, one of the chief finance officers of John Kerry's campaign. He's a lifelong Democrat. This is not a guy who wants to go on Tucker Carlson and bash the Bidens if, if he wasn't you know, having to tell his story in this particular situation. There's a lot more to come on this Devin Archer thing over the next few weeks. We will cover it. We're not going to be derailed uh, like the media wants us to. So that's a promise. I, I want to make sure that we stay keep our eye on the ball on this one. Also, uh, the Second Amendment, crucial. The Bidens are coming after that as well. We have John Lott to tell us the story next. Even if you're not going on vacation, summer is all about a vacation state of mind. I was on vacation what, last week, uh, and uh, it was great. Yeah, I got my Raycons out. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to music. Uh, it, it's, it's, you get to create your own summer sun- soundtrack. And uh, right now, you can get your Raycons because, first of all, they're better than the competitors. They uh, actually do the things they're supposed to do. They don't fall out of your ear. You have earbud tap options to uh, be able to toggle between you know, a bunch of different sound profiles, uh, noise isolation, awareness mode. They have 32-hour battery life, including eight hours of playtime. They are really, really nice. They fit flush into your ear. They don't dangle below like you have earrings on. Uh, this is, uh, it's, you know, look, it's, it's just as good as these other premium audio brands, but it's going to cost you like half. Raycons come with a 45-day happiness guarantee, so you really can't lose. Create your own soundtrack with Raycon. Right now, listeners of this program can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash stew. B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash stew. Save 15% on Raycons at buyraycon.com slash stew. The standoff at the border is heating up between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no farm guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew 
was a lie. Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. Joining me now is John Lott. He's the president of the Crime Prevention Research Center, and he has a new op-ed uh, out on Town Hall right now. Uh, Biden will withhold federal funding from schools with hunting and archery programs. I'll be tweeting out a link to that article here in a little bit. Uh, make sure to check it out. And I want to talk to John, talk to you, John, about this because this is bizarre. I mean, I, it's presented in this uh, this idea that it's going to be sa- it's going to create safety. It's in something called the 2022 Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, which how could you possibly be against something like that, John? But this is going to make a real difference uh, to uh, safety when it comes to hunting in the future, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, you would I mean, isn't it obvious you get rid of hunter safety classes, they'll make things safer, right? right. <laughs> and also, I, I assume maybe there's been a rash of uh, mass murders with archery that's been occurring <laughs> that somehow I've missed. I missed all those stories, yeah. But, uh, you know, this is going to have a significant impact because, uh, you know, you're talking about like 9% of public school budgets around the country come from the federal government. And they're saying if you have any of these classes, you're not going to get any federal aid anymore. This this is a bill that all the Democrats voted for last year and uh, unfortunately a fair number of Republicans too. But you have people like John Tester in Montana. Montana uh, is number three in terms of the percent of the population with hunting licenses. Mm. Uh, But, you know, uh, and you have a number of schools that teach hunter safety and archery classes that if they don't get rid of these programs now are going to lose the federal funding. So what is the stated like goal here i mean because obviously like having people not learn safety and and good practices when it comes to firearms can't possibly add to safety in the future what are they saying they're trying to do right well i think their basic goal is to make it so people don't own guns right that's definitely what they're trying to do they just view guns as dangerous Mm. and so and they know that uh, if people go and do hunting or from families that do hunting, they're more likely to go and own guns. I don't think it's much deeper than that, unfortunately. Uh, I haven't really seen any argument with regard to archery, though, that's being put out there. <laughs> yeah. So unless it's somehow a gateway drug to people using guns or something like that, so to speak. How, do, how does this tie into lead poisoning? Because, I mean, that's sort of the joke of like, oh, he was poisoned with lead after someone gets shot. Right. But like... Lead poisoning is a part of this somehow. Well, they're doing lots of different regulations that affect hunting as well as guns in general, and one of the thing, and also fishing. And so uh, the Biden administration is putting out rules that would ban any type of lead shots in guns in, in national parks, and also uh, also prevent people from using lead weights in fishing. And so. You know, it's basically just another way of making it more costly, more difficult for people to do it. Look, even the Clinton administration, which is hardly going to be considered kind of pro-gun by right. anybody's view, had looked at the issue of lead mm-hmm. and ammunition and found that it was pretty much irrelevant in terms of safety issues unless you're going to go and actually eat the lead shot yourself. Which you shouldn't do. Probably not. <laughs> but... I don't know, maybe with extra seasoning, the lead tastes better or not. I haven't really tried it. Somebody get minerals. But uh, I don't know. Maybe the minimum daily amount of lead in our diet, I miss that. Yeah. But, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, so 
and the and they're trying to rely on studies that if you actually look at the studies they don't make the claims that they they think that they do yeah and so it's it's gonna it's just one of many things i mean look uh, we just found out recently that the Biden administration's put out of business literally thousands of gun dealers in the United States with their zero tolerance policy. You go and you make one paperwork mistake, no matter how tiny, no matter how n inconsequential, and they take away your license to be able to go and sell firearms. Uh, it's just one of many things that they're doing just to make it very difficult. And of course, They've done other things like ESG, put pressure on financial institutions not to go and do business with gun makers or gun sellers that are there. Kind of a revisiting of Obama's uh, Operation Choke Point that they have. Mm -hmm. I mean, try running a business if you can't find a financial institution to go and handle the credit cards for your customers or the checks that you have, or you can't get loans or other things. Yeah. So it's just. One, it's just a mini-prong approach just to try to put hunting and gun ownership uh, out of business. It really does seem like an all-out onslaught, right, to try to stop this in as many ways as possible, especially when they realize that something like overturning the Second Amendment isn't all that likely in this country. Um, you know, and you bring up the ESG scores, which I think is really interesting. I think people hear the ESG acronym, Environmental Social Governance, right. and they hear basically just environmental, right? right? They hear, okay, they're coming after oil, they're coming at... And they are. They're, they're doing all of this. Right. But guns is maybe the largest target of this, I think. They are really working hard to use these ESG scores and these sort of non-governmental paths to make it so it's, gun ownership is almost impossible. Right. Well, you know, I don't know if it's the one that they're going after most, but surely there's a lot of industries, a lot of companies that are not politically correct by their measure. And so... They can't pass a law that puts them out of business directly, and so they go and use the regulatory power they have through the Security and Exchange Commissions or other things to go and make it just more costly for them to, to be in business. But, you know, as far as the Second Amendment goes, I mean, it's true right now we have a solid majority on the Supreme Court. But by the end of the next administration, Clarence Thomas is going to be 80. Uh, Sam Alito is going to be 78. You know, the likelihood that you're going to lose one or maybe both of those within the next six years is non-trivial. Mm -hmm. And it's not just that. You look at the lower courts. Uh, by the end of next year, 65% of the circuit and district court judges in the United States are going to be Democrats. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, you can almost guarantee if you look to see whether a Democrat or Republican appointed a judge how they're going to be ruling on Second Amendment type issues. Uh, you look at the Bruin decision last year. Uh, Jackson, uh, Sotomayor, and Kagan, they are refusing to accept the notion that there's a right to self-defense, let alone a right to be able to go and use guns for self-defense. If they ever got a majority again, it's pretty clear that they would go and reverse these decisions that we've had. It really, it's, it's scary. You think of the Supreme Court, and I, I keep coming back to this on so many different issues, they seem like the only wall anymore that's tying us to the Constitution, especially when it comes to gun rights. Um, let's talk about the general state of things, because no one's done more research on this than you. you I mean, you, your, your work has been incredibly important in making people aware of what the reality of, of the, the world is when it comes to violence and how it happens and, and how to stop it. Um, 
we hear all the time that we're in this uh, epidemic of mass shootings. And like, I think from an average person perspective, I can kind of understand them thinking that's true, right? We do see these huge reports. There's these terrible incidents that do happen. They're all over the news. And yet I think they lose, people lose perspective on the overall picture when it comes to violence. Can you kind of talk about like, I mean, are we really having a massive increase in, in mass shootings? Is there a way to stop this? That's, that's easy. They seem to say pass a couple laws and everything will be fine. Right. Well, I think the media has done a real disservice in terms of how it covers these types of issues. Uh, <clears throat> you know, so one thing you'll hear is that they'll go and point to a couple mass uh, public shootings that do get a lot of attention. And then they'll go and say, well, we've had 300 this year. Mm. And uh, they're really very different definitions that are being used for these things. So mass public shooting has traditionally been four more people killed in an attack that doesn't involve some other type of crime in a public place, not involving a robbery or a gang fight over drug turf. There's a group called the Gun Violence Archive, which is a gun control group, and they have their own definition. And they say three or more people shot in any type of circumstance. And the thing is about 87% of their cases are gang fights over drug turf. Most of the rest are robberies. Now, are gang fights over drug turf bad? Yeah, sure, I'd rather have zero of those. Right. But what will often happen is you'll have Biden or others will go and mention a couple well-known mass public shootings, like at a school or a mall, and then go and say, we've had 300 of these over mm -hmm. the course of the year. And the thing is, the causes and solutions for how you stop a gang fight are very different than how you go and stop a mass public shooting that's going to be occurring. These mass public shootings are overwhelmingly people who want to commit suicide. People have always wanted to commit suicide. But the thing is, someplace along the line about 30 years ago, people realized they could get a lot of attention if they went and killed people. And so you have individuals who are suicidal, who, but they want to get media attention. They want people to know that they were here. And so their goal is to kill more people. And they know if they go to a place that's a gun-free zone, where people aren't able to go and defend themselves, they're able to go and kill more people. And so, you know, you look at the media coverage. We just had this Nashville school shooting. The Biden administration hasn't released the manifesto for it yet, but the Nashville police chief got to look at it. And one of the things he mentioned is that mass murder actually had another target in mind. Their primary target was actually gonna be a mall. But they decided not to go there because there were armed security there and people were allowed to carry concealed handguns there. Mm. And so the killer picked the school. The national media won't mention what the police chief said. Last year you had an example like the Buffalo mass murderer. Uh, he had a manifesto where he spent a lot of time explaining why he picked the target that he did. Right up there at the top was he wanted to go to a place where he knew his victims weren't going to be able to go and defend themselves. Mm. You will search. You would think that would be interesting for people to know why these guys pick the targets that they do. But you will look in vain to actually see the media go and mention that any place. Uh, you know, instead, what they do in that case is uh, the New York Times has had like eight editorials on it about the guy being a right wing conservative racist type. It's true he's a racist. But what they leave out is that he's a racist because he was an environmentalist. Mm. He's somebody who was upset that people were having kids. Maybe you know a lot of conservatives are upset about people having kids. <laughs> no. 
Maybe you know a lot of conservatives that call themselves in, environmental terrorists. No, I don't uh, know. You're going to be surprised. I, I, I have a very narrow group of friends who <laughs> yeah. are conservatives, I guess, because yeah. none of my people that I know call themselves that. Uh, uh, but yet, you know, the, this is like exhibit A of right wing people going out and committing these racist type crimes. The media... If somebody's a racist, they seem to automatically characterize themselves, no matter what else the person says there about their own beliefs, classify themselves as a conservative right-wing type. Yeah, this is an amazing uh, a trick by the media that they just associated racists with right-wing thought. Now, there have been right-wing racists in the past. There's been left-wing racists in the past, but it has nothing. I mean, when you look at the worst examples of racism in history, you find the government implementing them. Right. Uh, large, powerful governments, which is the opposite of my philosophy. I don't want a large, powerful government. No, I agree. Uh, it's an amazing thing they've done over the years, but uh, you've done so much work to uh, disprove all this, and we really do appreciate it everything you've done. Well, thanks for being there. Yeah, thanks so much for everything you've done. John Lott, check out his work, president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. You need to know this information. Be sure to check out his new opinion piece as well on Town Hall. Biden will withhold federal funding from schools with hunting and archery programs because all those archery shootings that are going on right now, you know all that big problem. You can check it out. Uh, I'll link to it on Twitter. John, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thank you. Look, it's really sad, but Diane Feinstein is, is long gone. Uh, she's uh, completely out of it. And she's still a senator because the Democratic Party has no soul. Uh, so they've left her in there. Uh, she, you know, the other day was, you know, voted the wrong way. They had to correct her. No, actually, you're voting yes. I mean, this happened multiple times. We now have an update that Sa Senator Diane Feinstein's daughter has a power of attorney over her. Um, and says, uh, and here's the actual form if you want to take a look at it. I mean, you know, you don't know exactly how far, how extensive these can be. Sometimes they can be small. But I think looking at Dianne Feinstein's condition, you can realize that this is probably, uh, she's probably running a lot of her mom's life, but not the votes. That still keeps going. It's not easy to get power of attorney over someone. Um, it really has to be significant for that to happen. And yet here it is happening in front of our eyes. A really disgusting situation in every single way. And by the way, uh, also Mitch McConnell should not be in the Senate anymore. Throwing that out there. Not a partisan thing. Should not be in there. Uh, certainly Joe Biden shouldn't be our president, even though he hasn't had that much of a, he didn't have that Mitch McConnell moment yet. But it could happen at any time. Uh, because of that, uh, this is, I guess, ties into this in some ways. Ron DeSantis is agreeing to debate Gavin Newsom on Fox News. Now, just tactically, Obviously, Newsom is not a candidate. He wants to be a candidate. Nobody likes Gavin Newsom more than Gavin Newsom. Uh, he's a real huge fan of Gavin Newsom, that Gavin Newsom is. Uh, but he has been trying to elevate himself to get into this conversation. He's gone back and forth trying to, to attack DeSantis. DeSantis has pretty much shrugged him off. And, like, if the race of the Republican primary right now were, you know, 42 to 40... I think you'd make an, you could definitely make the argument this wouldn't be a good move for Ron DeSantis. However, we just got the poll this week. It's 54 to 17. Uh, that's a national poll, probably a little closer in those early states. But still, like, there's a lot of room here. And what DeSantis needs are some good viral moments. Him hammering Gavin Newsom in a big debate, especially one with a moderator as friendly as Sean Hannity would be to him, that's a good move. I mean, it's a, probably a good move for Ron DeSantis. Uh, it could go either way, but at this point... Even if it doesn't work, it's probably worth the risk. This is going to be really hard for Ron DeSantis to beat him. I've said this to you since the very beginning. Even when the elections polls were showing this really close, 
Donald Trump is the most famous person in the world. He is very well loved among Republicans. A lot of Republicans think he got screwed. They just are going to put him in. I mean, unless Donald Trump screws this up. But that's what's going to those are the two options, I think, at this point. Uh, DeSantis is waiting if if he were to falter. But I mean, at this point, I put it at, you know, 80 percent Donald Trump, maybe 15 percent DeSantis and 5 percent the rest of the field. That's probably how I'd break it down just off the top of my head. Um, so that's the state of the race. I think a smart thing for DeSantis to do to try to shake things up a little bit. Hunter gave Biden a green light to acknowledge his child to negate a Republican line of attack, say sources. The background of this, of course, is as slimy as you would believe it is. Uh, you know, even when, Hunt, when Joe Biden does, quote unquote, the right thing, where he comes out and acknowledges that, yes, he does indeed have a seventh grandchild. He does it for political reasons. And Hunter gives him the OK to do it because, well, these Republicans are pouncing. So don't let them pounce anymore. You can say you have a granddaughter. Well, he had a granddaughter the whole time. There's nothing to admire here. And I guess a lot of this stuff is built to distract you. Did you know? I mean, for example, gas prices. Have you paid attention to them at all? The highest they've been in nine months. Remember, we've been told over and over again, look at this, uh, Bidenomics, they're working so well. Look at it, inflation's come down so much and gas prices have come down so much. Well, not really. The national average is now at 380 a gallon as of Wednesday. This is uh, down from last summer, sure, but still way, way up from the time Biden took office. It's been a cacophony of failures here over and over and over again. And no matter how many times they try to distract us from looking at what's really happening, I gotta believe, I gotta hope at least, that the American people are still paying attention. Do you have a home to sell? Uh, do you have a home to buy? You got to get the best price on either side of that transaction. And it's not only about price. It's about knowing what neighborhood you're moving into. Are you going to love this house in 5, 10, 15 years? You need to plan that far ahead. How is this neighborhood going to develop? How is the area going to be as far as you know, increasing uh, the value of your home? This is a the biggest investment you'll ever make in your entire life. You better be sure, right, going in. And that's why realestateagentsitrust.com exists. Glenn, of course, started this company, Glenn Beck, a few years ago because he had dealt with the hassles of buying and selling homes. So give it a shot, realestateagentsitrust.com. Now you might be like, I don't have any extra money right now. Things are tight. This is a free service to you. You just go to realestateagentsitrust.com. The name kind of says it all. They'll walk you through the entire process. Get the best real estate agent in your area with realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. There's a new Willy Wonka movie coming out. Are you excited about it? Now, I freaking love uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original one, not the stupid Johnny Depp one, and certainly not this new stupid one. They both look terrible to me. Uh, it's Gene Wilder or nothing, okay? That's the way this works. But there's a controversy about this because um, Willy Wonka, in, in the movie, they call, it's called Wonka. Uh, Hugh Grant is cast as an Oompa Loompa. And that's apparently controversial, uh, according to a dwarf actor who, I, and I thought you weren't supposed to use the word dwarf, but apparently uh, you can. Um, the, a, the ridiculous story from a, some dwarf actor who is saying, hey, uh, this isn't fair. Um, why is he appropriating my roles, basically? Um, now, I'm very confused by this because we were just told that Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs couldn't be dwarfs because that was bad, too. And all these things keep fe featuring uh, these bizarre complaints that wind up benefiting fully sized. I don't know what you're supposed to say for 
quote unquote regular people, uh, fully sized people who uh, wind up getting all these roles. Like, how does this keep happening? It's really kind of funny, honestly. The wokeness winds up always hurting uh, the people it's supposed to help. But this is kind of bizarre because um, as far as I know, Oompa Loompas weren't dwarfs. Right. Like they were just a totally different species called Oompa Loompas. So having a dwarf or a fully sized person play them, you're you're appropriating a role because it's a fictional character. So I honestly don't know which way you're supposed to go with this, but that is uh, we're supposed to be upset by this. And also uh, SAG-AFTRA, they're having this whole thing down there um, where AFTRA is. Uh, but they're still, you know, they're protesting, right? It's the writer's strike, it's the actors, right? everyone's striking right now. And all these uh, famous actors are getting down there. It's a little tiring, though, really. I mean, it's like, okay, I- I'm glad you're down there walking around with the regulars for a couple of minutes, out- coming off your beach vacations for a couple of hours to walk around with the, the, gr- the key grip that's making one one-thousandth of what you are. But they sit here and complain about, oh, these people are not getting paid, so I'm going to show up for a walk. I don't know, maybe give them some of your money instead. Uh, just an idea. Lots of debate coverage is coming here in election season. YouTube.com slash America. Go there and subscribe. Also, Twitter.com slash America. Go there as well. We'll see you tomorrow.